are. You did get the you did get the silver wear silver and gray memo. How do we do this? I don't know. As I was, I haven't worn this this jacket in forever. And I've been moving beds and lamps and whatever all day. So I was in sort of my grubbies and I thought, no, I'm gonna put in a clean shirt. I'm gonna wear this. So and it's like, I wonder if Kim's gonna wear gray. Kim never wears gray. And there you are. I'm even wearing my little gray necklace today too. Oh, is that's pretty. It's from oh. Botswana. Botswana agate or something like that. Wow. It's magical. This this is some sort of gray. I don't know if it's a pretend pearl or real pearl, but this lady's son said you have to treat my mom because she has whatever pain. And it's like, okay. So mom was selling jewelry and she came in and she said, I don't have any pain. I'm fine. I don't know what my son's talking about. It's like, well, draw something so I can treat something. So while I'm treating her, she's showing me this. I said, gee, that's really pretty. And so I ended up with earrings and a necklace from a patient who didn't really want to tell me that anything hurt. Right. She was, she was adorable. Aww. Yeah. I, pieces of jewelry with stories are. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. <coughs> and nice memories, right, that go with it. Yes. Yes. Very cool. How was your week? crazed yeah it's um the clinic we um let's see i started seeing patients i think last week um sandra osterberg is seeing patients tomorrow on friday as it turns out we don't quite have an occupancy permit yet so anybody that's listening that cares about you just the inspection was today we think Okay. Um, but we have signs and we have fire extinguishers and all the essential stuff. Yeah. And then she and I went around the clinic and put up the, the framed pieces and the posters and the prints and the um, uh, just it's and it, so you have these soothing gray beige pink walls. And then there's a picture of a, of a waterfall in Australia and a beach scene in Australia. And then one wall in each treatment room is um, dermatomes, yep. trigger points, sclerotomes. And um, yeah, so, and every place you look, there's like in the waiting room, there's, a, there's the there is hope here that banner yep and then there's a print that i got 25 years ago when i first got in practice and it says it describes what wellness is hmm. it's not an absence of disease it's it would it's just it's very pretty hmm. and then i got these cards at edgefield and they're meant as you know blank cards that you send people and there's one that says, everything is going to be all right. And we put that right by 
the um, reception window. And then on the other window, there's a, on the other side of the window, there's a piece of wall that was just the right size, oddly enough. And it says, courage does not always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. Wow. Wow. And that's what you see in our waiting room. Wow. Sometimes it's the quiet voice at the end of the day that says, I will try again tomorrow. Yes. And that's, it's like, it's not just the patients that see that. When you, I, I got an email from a practitioner that, wanted a refund on her precision care she's a nurse and she's just so frustrated it's not working and it's and I'm and it's just it's I don't know how to recommend it when I'm not getting the results that I'm supposed to get well I looked up when she took her course November 19th it's like remember the slide that said about the learning curve remember that slide Okay, calm down. Everything is going to be all right. <laughs> it's just, and she's a nurse. Right. What I found out from my daughter when she was in nursing school was, mom, you have to stop telling me these things because I have to think like a nurse and I've been raised to think like a doctor. Right. And doctors think differently than nurses. Well, this frustrated lady is an RN. Right. So everybody, every one of our clinicians has a different orientation mm -hmm. to assessment, right? Mm -hmm. And nurses think differently than doctors. Yeah. I think like a doctor. Doctors raised me. MDs raised me. Mm -hmm. And then I went to chiropractic college, right? Yeah. So... The, this poor nurse it's like whoa 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 back up the truck what do you want to treat what have you failed at right any successes and you're using a precision care maybe you should have gotten custom care if she's a psychiatric nurse practitioner what she needs a custom care mm -hmm. right yes. it, yeah so it's it sometimes it's a quiet voice at the end of the day Yes. I'll it, tomorrow. I'll learn more tomorrow. Right. I love that. Is that great? That is great. You know, here come the dog barking. Thought I'd leave the door open, but no, no that's not working. No, no. You want to close the door? We can. Well, they're just going to try to come in. It's just my neighbor that's coming back. And when he has a utility truck and when he reverses oh. his car, the beep, beep, beep. Um, sets them bananas. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. Um, so you sent me a very interesting text today, kind of threw me in, in a tizzy. Um, uh, yeah. I had to sit and read it a couple times. So I want to talk about that first before we do anything else, because I think, and again, we kind of have this psychic connection, you and I, because I don't know what it is, but it was very similar to the theme that I wanted to sit with today on oh, the show. 
Oh, yeah. Oh and it, well, and it kind of goes back to our very first show, episode one, we talked about like, what is your why? You know, so what, what brings you to using FSM and not just coming to your very first core, but to your 20th core <laughs> and the webinars and um, the continuation of addiction that we get with learning okay. and how do we do this? And um, doesn't matter how many really complex patients we see or how many really easy patients we see, I'm, I'm leaving the clinic in awe. And you, I wanted to talk about a little bit about our personalities and what we bring to the table and what our why is and how we stay on the path. So interesting that you talked about this practitioner. It's like, I want a refund. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't easy. One of the first things I say in the sports um, course is this isn't like a taping course where you take two days of taping. And then when you're done, you could tape anything and anyone with a heartbeat and be successful because it's that linear. This is not linear. This is the antithesis of linear. It is. It's, it's, it's everywhere. It's comprehensive. Mm -hmm. And that synthesis keeps coming up. Yeah. It's everything you ever learned from anybody comes to the table when you approach any given problem. Every everything. Right. So it's so when your life is in flux, having a set of rules that you adhere to, I think is so important. And interesting enough, you sent me the text as I was coming home from, I have a training session with the puppy today and I normally don't do them on Wednesdays. And she's a bit of a spaz. She's a German shepherd. So she is suspicious of everything and anything that moves. And that's, <laughs> that's just her face. <laughs> and that's, and that's her personality and her DNA. And I'm not, um, I don't want to change that, but I have to learn um, how to get her to live with this and how to cope with life. I'm going to close the door. And how to cope with life when there's something that's scary or suspicious. What, I, but the DNA of a German shepherd is to protect you. Yes. So everything is viewed as a threat to you. They are yeah. one person dogs. Yes. And so it is threat assessment yes instantly yes and my approach with my german shepherds because i've had multiple ones yeah was take them everywhere yes i took them yeah. to the train station to the bus depot yeah i took them to believe it or not a dairy yeah have you ever thought about what a cow a dairy cow the things are seven feet tall right with with noses the size of your head, right? right? And the dog went, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. and and you, you know, she. My parents used to breed and train shepherds, so she's also not my first, but she is just a little bit more on alert than most. And with, she's one, and living in COVID era, not a lot of people were coming into my home, and you know, so. All things aside, the trainer said something really important today. So we're really tightening up her obedience so that she is following a command within 1.3 seconds. It has to be that fast. 
And when she's scared or when she's suspicious and when she wants to bark or stare or do something, she has to heal or sit her down because it gives her something to do. There's a set of rules that she has to adhere to when she's in flux. So interesting enough, today you sent me your list of rules. Yeah. And it was, I had to sit with it because I think everybody has to have a set of rules that they can adhere to when things are going. um, What's the word that you like to use? Cattywampus. Cattywampus is a good word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what what was one of your favorite rules that you came up with today? Mm. You have, you had a few really good ones. The first, the first one, I didn't used to have rules. And as I've made mistakes and co-created disastrous situations that I didn't mean to co-create, the first, the first rule is it has to work for everybody or it doesn't work. Yes. Anytime you work with somebody in our culture, it's sort of bred into the culture that I win, you lose. Right. And anytime you co-create, because you never create a situation by yourself, right? Right. You always co-create. Anytime you co-create a situation, if, if one person wins and one person loses, then you have one person that's stuck in resentment. And resentment leads to revenge even if there's nothing actually to resent, but that led to whatever the rule was about clarity of communication. But the first rule is it has to work for everybody. It doesn't work. And that, it, it just, that's, that was the first that, and I was the way I came up with this list of rules was recently I had to make an agreement with somebody or I wanted to try and make an agreement with somebody that is inherently suspicious and um, she reminds me of a doe. She's a flight animal, right? She's anything that she just has a very low risk tolerance. So she was like, well, what if you screw me and it's like that no the first rule is it has to work for everybody or it doesn't work so I didn't know I had a list of rules until I'm dealing with this person that's so afraid that I'm going to do something in a that won't work for her right so has to work for everybody it doesn't work yeah and that led to the second I didn't know I had rules But then that led to the second rule. There is always a win-win solution or you wouldn't be in this situation. I love that. This situation found you because you are part of the solution or you know a part of the solution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So things don't happen to you. This is a... This is a result of just years of 
listening to people that think like this and then observing that it really is, I forget what his name was in the 20s, that there really is a law like gravity. You create that which you focus on. Mm -hmm. So if you're focusing on how people are going to screw you, imagine that. That's what appears in your life. Right. So you always co-create your reality. Now, this doesn't, to some people, think this means they're guilty for what happens to them. And it's like, no, it's empowering. Mm -hmm. You didn't create this bad situation. This bad situation found you so you can create out of it a learning experience, right? Mm -hmm. And you can create a good situation. If you don't like where you are and you recognize that you co-created it so that you could learn something, then you can get out of it by creating something else. Right. And that leads to, well, you get what you give and that leads to choose yes. The answer is always yes, unless no is a better choice. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, and then there's the, the, the corollary to rule number one is you get what you give. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you give injustice or you give I win, you lose, that's what you're going to get. Maybe not at this time, but I've been lucky in this life to recognize times when people did to me what I have done to others in my teens or 20s or 30s right where I just I did this and then somebody did that to me 25 years later and it's like oh that's what that felt like okay well fair's fair that's what I gave this is what I got yeah move on it's pretty fun and it it makes it makes practice so much easier with FSM every day I mean, there's, there's a webinar coming. I've, I've written it out, but I, I have to find background and pictures and Kevin wants music. And it's like, I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> but every day we hear tragedies and pain and incomprehensible combinations of genetics and karma and physiology and biomechanics and neurology and psychology and psychoneuroimmunology all of those ologies and it's i don't know the whole piece of it but i know subsets little little pieces enough to synthesize and with fsm it's like where do you start well, you find a thread. How many machines do you have? And which threads can you pull on? So somebody has, um, what did she have? Pelvic pain, SI joint. Oh, it's the one that I've never seen anything like it. She stepped up with her left leg 
on, and I didn't get a picture before she left. She came from California. She stepped up with her left leg onto a rock that was two and a half feet tall. And she's what, five, three and a hundred pounds. And then she lifted her whole body up with her leg in that position. And they've worked on the trigger points and they worked on this and she's got the best trigger point therapist in the country working on her. And it's like, okay, so clearly it's not muscle. So I thought, oh, surely it's nerve. And certainly there it was. Well, both of her hamstrings are really tight. I have a frequency for that. How do you fix pelvic pain without taking the strain and the extra tone out of the hamstrings? Well, that's 81 and 10. So that was like a no brainer. Okay, this I can do. And then she's been in pain for two years. So you know for sure that her spinal cord is sensitized. So that's 40 and 10. And then the first treatment, I thought, you look at the anatomy and there's all these nerves. And she said, it's the muscle and it's the nerve. And the pain was per almost perianal. It's not the pudendal nerve. It's like, oh, so the first one I treated the nerve, didn't get it. Second session, I didn't, I didn't do, my bad, I didn't do a sensory exam on the first session. So I did the sensory exam. S2 lit up like a Christmas tree, L5, L4. L2 and 3 weren't terribly happy, but S2 all down the back of the leg was horrible. But 5, no, 5 was normal. 6, 7, 8, and T1 were all jacked up. She's totally missing her left triceps reflex, even when it's reinforced, even when she clenches her teeth, right. no right. triceps. So then we get to the concussions and the times she fell backwards and landed, you know, on her butt and then her head and like diagnosed with a concussion. So you have her, and then you do the patellar reflexes. They're both hyper, hyper reflexic. And it's like, she's got this huge disc bulge in her neck and S2 is jacked up. So I treated the S2 nerve root finally. And then she and I, and she is a law student with international law. She has no biology whatsoever, but I made her look at Netter because she's smart. And it's like, it's gotta be here. So we took the pelvis and I took the muscles out and then the nerves out. And then there it was, the sacred tuberous ligament. So I did 124 and 100 for an hour. And the tender spot where the sacred tuberous ligament and my fingers are like this because that's what I, where I had my fingers was in her butt. Nothing. Okay. Then I looked again at Netter. You know, ligaments are usually little round things and short and they connect bone to bone. That's why they're ligaments. But you look at the sacred tuberous ligament and it's that big and it's flat. So I did 124 and 77 for an hour and it took the tenderness down from plus four, almost a five to a two. 
It's like, okay, then. So she's coming. So when you watch her walk, you're her next stop because her mechanic, they've taken care of the muscles, but the patterning is cattywampus. And this was session four. So she was only here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I saw her Saturday, so five days. So session four, I finally figured it out because I didn't do the sensory exam until session two. And I didn't figure out the sacred tuberous ligament at session three. And sacred tuberous was session four. Session five is when it all came together. And I got S1, S2 normal, sacred tuberous ligament again. And then you watch her walk and the muscles in her butt and her leg have no idea what they're doing. So that's why she, so that's the next step, but she's going to need, I don't even know when we do the Achilles or rotator cuff repair, you can tape it. I use skin taping. I don't use the flexible tape because I've had so many torn ligaments and that's what they do is skin tape my SI joint for a year and use FSM. So she needs a custom care and magnetic converter because 124 and 77 has to run for two or three hours at a time because every, every time you take a step, you stretch the sacred tuberous ligament. So the only time you can treat it is at night. And how you can't tape it. You can't, right? No, you, you can't. No, you can't. And again, it goes with your intent. Like when I start bringing in taping, which is I tape more now than I ever have in my 24 year career, because I respect FSM so much that you're not, you cannot be expected to move the same way after a treatment. Like it doesn't matter what you do, how chronic it is, how acute you're making really big changes. So the intent with, I use rock tape because I think it's the best tape on the market. That's the stretchy stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, and and the, the way, but the way you apply it, if you stretch it to a hundred percent and then apply it, it is just as um, bracing as the non-stretch. So it's all in the technique and the application, but for someone like that, I mean, you can tape to stabilize a joint, but you could also tape to turn on a muscle or tape to turn off a muscle. And a lot of times that's what we're doing with FSM. Um, what That's where it blows my hair back is um, and gets my heart pumping is when I can play with mechanics. And kind of like how you were talking about in those early stages of when you can manipulate the nervous system in real time, well, we're doing that with mechanics. If I can get somebody to balance or to, or to weight bear and they never used to, and there's no reason why they shouldn't or couldn't, and you, you're doing it in two or three seconds, I mean. Well, and when the hamstrings have been a brick right. since she blew the disc in her neck. Yeah. And all of these experts that have been working on her leg muscles never noticed that the tone in her hamstrings was 81 and 10, that the tone wasn't right. Right. And her right leg is easier than her left. Yeah. So if the hamstrings are really tight and it's pulling, and then you go to walk, the the whole, the whole patterning is wrong. And I know enough to know that I, that's not my skill set. 
but I know now that it needs to be done. So I'm still trying to poach an OGI trained physical therapist. If there's any PTs out there that know how to do this stuff that want to come work in Troutdale, um, let's just give me a call or an email. Um, but it's, the reason I told that story is, <clears throat> is I had her for five days. I didn't figure it out until I screwed it up day one by not doing the sensory exam day two by being overwhelmed by what I found. She, she was hyperesthetic at T1 through T4 she had a normal band at five, six, seven, eight, and nine, hyperesthesia all the way down. And then where you would expect, given her pain pattern, you would expect her to be hyperesthetic at S3, four, and five, right along her butt. Totally normal. That's a good face. <laughs> so the sensory exam that I didn't do on the first day my bad, right? I heard my own voice in my head saying, so I screwed up on day one. Day two, I was, what the hell? Just trying to figure it out. Day three, I treated the wrong thing. Day four, when three didn't work. Day four, when I finally looked deep enough at Netter and I said, show me again what you did, and then you look at what she did to her pelvis, and it's, oh, it, it was day four. Now, most of us see patients twice a week for four to six weeks. Well, that means you would have done nothing the first two weeks, because that's four sessions. And then she goes home and tears it again every time she takes a step, right? Right? And then, so, but she's coming from California. So I don't get the next two weeks. So you get her because, and that's why we have a network. Right. I have, there's one patient practitioner that uh, she was in the military and we, we went up to Capitol Hill to talk about using FSM with wounded warriors for PTSD. And this patient practitioner said, I had PTSD. I was so ill when I came back from wherever she was, Afghanistan or Kuwait or Iraq. I had PTSD and I was so sick. And one of the practitioners in Dr. McMakin's network treated me and got me better. And then I helped with kind of the finishing touch when Sonia ran out of tools in her toolkit. And her, this patient's goal was to get pregnant. And she was 39. She graduated top in her, well, second in her class at the Air Force Academy. And she married the man who was first in her class, right? They're both generals right now in their forties, I think. Her goal was to get pregnant. Two years after we finished treating her, she had her daughter. Oh. So it's, 
it's not a one visit fix. It's as you say, it's not one and done. No. Right. No, it's, it's always evolving. You know, I, I was looking at my patient list for the next two months and I opened up some extra days and I saw this like kind of slow space and I was looking, I have so many patients now that are like not fixed. I always put that in quotes or, or cured because it's never done, even though they've seen me twice a week for more than four weeks and we've got everything, all the acute pain down and all the range of motion is symmetrical. Everybody always checks in with me, whether it's once every two months or once every six months or once every so many because there's always something, there's always stress, there's always an infection, there's always an injury, there's always going to be something. So check in with your, for the patients that are listening, like this is not a money grab for practitioners, you know, it's like going to the dentist for, for your cleaning and your checkup before the cavity turns into an extraction or a root canal or something. Well, the other thing is that because you fixed them the first injury, when they did that thing to their ankle, or their shoulder, they did, they did that thing to their shoulder and you fixed it in four to six weeks. Well, six months later, when they do that thing to their ankle or the knee of their hip, they know where to go. Right. And it's entirely possible, knowing what we know about the latissimus and long thoracic nerve, that the shoulder is connected to the low back, which is connected to the pelvis, which is connected to the hip, the knee, and the ankle. Right. So when you change the mechanics, that's the thing that blew me away when we started doing not just the subscap, because I did that for like 10 years. And then when somebody raised their arm, you could see the place where the latissimus stuck to the long thoracic nerve. Oh, so we freed up the long thoracic nerve, the latissimus, and the serratus. So you peeled that apart from the ribs. And all of a sudden, the left side of his low back can move because if you look at where the lats attach, it's the whole low back. Yeah. So now that his low back is different, you watch him walk and go, I, you know, your left shoulder is the one that bothers you, but now we have to work on your right shoulder because your low back is, yeah, no, get back on the table. <laughs> right? Yes, that's very true. Yeah. So it's, it's never going to be done because now they know who to come to. Right. Right. And then when they come back and you find out the shoulders connect to the low back, to the hip, to the knee, to the ankle. Yeah. It's a learning process and it really is never ending. No, there's always something to build on or improve and you don't have to be an athlete. You know, it's just anybody who wants to maintain their health. A um, couple yeah. of things I want to talk about before we move on. Um, we keep talking about tone and I think it's an important concept that we need to talk more about in the core. Um, I've put a big segment into it in the sports course um, and in the sports advance, which by the way, we are sold out already. So for those of you who advanced is sold out, the sports, sports. advanced and the normal sports um, are both sold out now. So we were at record numbers. Oh, done. Yeah, this Yay. is going to be a fun one. Um, so moving on, though, to just talk a little, little nugget about it. For manual therapists and PTs, we're used to using our hands to find areas of tightness. 
Now, tone is different than an area of tightness. When, especially if you see bilateral tone, this is not a muscle thing. This is not a contracture. This is not a trigger point. When you have a true trigger point or area of contracture, it is a localized area that feels harder and gnarlier. That's a medical term than the other part of the muscle. When you have increased tone, the entire band of that muscle, no matter how that muscle looks, whether it's the biceps or it's a hamstring, will feel, like you say, jacked up. The entire band, the entire, all of that muscle in its entirety is on alert. It is not about a trigger point. It's not about something sticky. It is... Tone. It's, it's not a taut band and no. the concept of tone it's you know when you read my medical history it's kind of scary but the concept of tone didn't come to me until I had a neck injury right I had those two herniated discs that just blew right into the motor pathways in the middle of my spinal cord and the the result was not particularly nerve pain. It was, we'd already fixed that part the first time the disc blew. This was in the middle. And the result was every now and then when I got my neck in a certain position, I literally could not move my left leg, the whole left side of my body. And it's like, what is that? So that was 2000, when did I do the neck? 2010 or 11. And it's like, what is, and I, so I never had the concept of tone until I had this injury. And then we fixed, removed the disc, fixed that. But because the motor pathways were damaged and effectively partially demyelinated, so they don't conduct mm -hmm descending inhibition so tone is the whole area so her hamstrings both sides were tight but when you feel the quadriceps they're tight too now everybody's used to the gastroc and soleus uh, muscles as being they're always tight that's that's just how we walk but the quadriceps the pectineus and the brevis the adductors those have a certain amount of squishiness when you get up towards the pubic bone especially the brevis and the pectineus they they're never tight right and you get up there and they're like ow okay that's tone you reach the hamstrings and they feel the whole muscle group is tight. So the concept of descending inhibition of tone, it, the best demonstration is cerebral palsy. That is the extreme. They've lost descending inhibition of tone centrally. There's damage in the brain, right? The first place I learned about this was in somebody with transverse myelitis. 
I treated 40 and 10, got rid of the pain and her hamstrings cramped something fierce. I had no idea what I'd just done. It's like two years later, I'm treating somebody that has increased tone from her suboccipitals to her SI joint on one side only. And I thought back then, this was 2002 or three, back then everybody was 40 and 10. So I did 40 and 10 and it made it tighter. What's the opposite of 40? 81. 81. I did 81 and 10 and her entire back just turned putting everything equalized. Asked her about the injury. She'd fallen and hit her cerebellum. And so she'd had an injury to the upper part of her neck, something like that. If it's mechanical, it crosses. You go on the left from the SI joint up, and then it crosses the spinal cord, and then it's tight on the lower left and the upper right. This was like a straight line down one side. Never seen it before. I did 81 and 10. It worked. And I called a friend of mine that's a neurologist and an FSM practitioner. And it said, and I'm calling him at, you know, eight o'clock at night where he lives. What did I just do? What did I, it worked, but what, what did I just do? And he said, oh, well, there's descending inhibition. So this learning curve that I've had for 25 years, the, if I could go back and find the transverse myelitis patient, I could fix her now, 40 and 10 and 81 and 10 at the same time. But that was my first introduction to tone was that one patient. And then with myself, I use myself as a demo in, a, in classes. I can still do it because even on baclofen with the autoimmune thing, there's increased tone that I can get rid of with 81 and 10. So I let this class of 20 advanced students in Germany come up, palpate my back. Oh, the whole left side. Yep. Up to T4. Yep. You're on 81 and 10 and it all turns to pudding. Right. What did we just do? Increased descending inhibition. So then I told that concept to Jay Shaw and he said, well, do you have any data? It's like the only thing that we can be increasing that would do that is GABA, right? Acetylcholine makes muscles contract. GABA makes muscles relax. Dopamine makes muscles contract. GABA makes muscles relax. Duh. <laughs> what I need is Terry Phillips to still be available to do blood work to show that what we're increasing is GABA. I really don't care. I'm a clinician. What I want to do is be able to help a patient with body pain and, and spasticity. Yeah. So have a patient that had radiation therapy to her spine to uh, she had glioblastoma when she was three and they did surgery to take out the tumor and then a year and a half later it came back so they radiated her spine 
So I get her when she's 30 and she's ataxic and spastic and she, and in pain or pain levels never below an eight. So it's two machines at one time, 40 and 10 and 81 and 10. And this girl is out of pain for the first time since she was three. So we had to put her brain back together and 81 and 10. And she had to buy two custom cares. She runs it every single day. She's now finished her bachelor's. She's off of antidepressants. She's off of pain meds. I don't care if she has to take baclofen. It's like, I'm okay with that. So it's like, it's clinical learning. Yeah. And there's no reason that should make sense in five days. No. And (laughs) the only way tone made sense to me was because I was a personal trainer. I did that putting myself through college and tone in that world is due to increased motor unit activity. Now it doesn't matter where the motor unit activity came from. In this, some cases it's central, right? Sometimes it's peripheral. It doesn't matter in an FSM world either. We just know that muscle is tight, not because it's sticky or scarred, but because more motor units from wherever else higher up are telling that muscle it's time to turn on, it's time to shorten, it's time to be active. So, you know, a lot of times women will come hire a trainer. Oh, I want more toned arms. I want, I want my legs to be toned. Well, we're, we're not, sometimes that has to do with losing body fat, but a lot of times that has to do with increasing your activity. So we do higher repetitions to feed the muscle more motor unit activity. So it looks, um, there's a, there's a difference between building bulk and yes, this is not hypertrophy though, right? I'm not talking not about hypertrophy. Like We're just talking yes, biceps reps. Right. So when you do higher weights, lower reps, you're gonna get hypertrophy. That muscle's gonna split. It's gonna repair. If you're doing lighter weights for multiple repetitions, we're increasing that motor unit activity. So um, tone, again, I just want the practitioners to make the distinguishing um, difference. So yeah, between something is tight. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean tight? Because I get that all the time. Something is tight. Explain. (laughs) Is there tone or is there a contracture? Is there a piece that's scarred? Because that's completely different. Is there bulk? We had a, a patient in Taiwan who um, he was a medical student. He was 25 and had full body pain. So he was clearly a 40 and 10. And his way of keeping himself <clears throat> functioning was working out. So he was in the gym and he was buff, like toned, right? Milos kind of what do you call that muscle bulk right yeah this guy was in the gym working on strengthening well i felt his forearms and it's like wait even muscles that are strong and have worked out and you've got bulk or right you've you've got there's a give to them they're strong but there's a give yes his were they were what? I know I said yes. Yeah. No, I'm just agreeing. Yeah. 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 So 
I squeezed his arm and it was like a, it was like a rock and his legs, you, you can't do enough quad reps to get quadriceps that feel like wood. So his history was he'd had this body pain since he was five and he had a 104 degree fever and had a febrile seizure. So a seizure that was caused by a fever. And he lived in a village that had no medical care. And his, his parents got on the train with this five-year-old that was seizing for two and a half hours to get to a medical clinic. So his body pain, and he'd been like this since he was five. He's now 24, 25, so 20 years. And it went, that's tone. So we did 40 and 10 to get his body pain down. We did 81 and 10, and he still had the bulk of somebody that had been lifting weights for 12 years. But the tone was gone. The tight, the you picked a really hard one to describe. That's just, you don't know it until you won't, don't expect to know it until you run 81 and 10 and it works. Yeah, that's, that's a really good, um, <laughs> I know tone, it is. Oh, tone is what goes away when you run 81 and 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. Um, we see it a lot. I have this new, new phrase that, uh, I say you're to people a lot now. Um, you're wrong, strong. And they're like, I'm, I'm, excuse me. I'm like, you're wrong, strong. And that means they're strong in certain ranges, but using the wrong muscles. Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, FSM has really taught me how to expedite the, the micro strong. So those, those muscles that have been turned off for who knows how long, for who knows what reason why, this is the tool that we have to manipulate those muscles that have been dormant for so long and um, awaken them. And it's and nothing has told me that or showed me that more than I had the case study that I did last year. Um, with the car accident victim, there was just so much torn and broken. There was so much scarred. There was just, where do you start? Is what teaches you why muscles don't contract. You get, yeah. get rid of 13 and 60, so scarring in the ureter. And right. all of a sudden, QLs start functioning properly. Right. And then, or you get rid of scarring in the nerve. And all of a sudden the adductors start working right. And the, you can see the body trying to figure out how to walk now. Yeah. And I know. And I used to think seeing somebody try to find the pain, try to find the pain was, was something that, and for those practitioners who haven't encountered that um, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a miracle when you have somebody that's been in so much pain for so long and you take it away and they sit up and I'm like, are you okay? And they're like, wait, it's shh. and it's like, if you're quiet, they're going to find the pain. And they're like, I just, I can't. And it's like, yeah, I know you're, they're trying to put it together. 
and that's 40 and 89. Right. right? So you're uh, the patient that described it in 1999. Now it was probably 2000. She said, I feel as if I should be in pain, but I'm not. Right. So that is when I learned to run 40 and 89. It's right. your brain looking for the pain. Your thalamus gets you, your thalamus and a whole midbrain gets used to being in pain. Right. And what's miraculous about FSM is that you have the ability to change that as well. Yes. So you fix the local pain, you fix the spinal cord sensitization with 40 and 10. And then when they move, I cheat and do, I'll, I finish up with 40 and 89 before they ever get off the table. Yeah, that's smart. See the confusion yeah. in their face. Yeah. Like, that's smart. I, on a, on a different train altogether, before I get somebody to actually stand on the floor again or to walk, I put them on a balance pad now. I don't yeah, even yeah. give them the opportunity to try to find it. And I run the frequencies for what we do. Well, because 40 and 89, quiet the, <clears throat> you called it afraid to move it. Yeah. So 40 and 89 is I'm afraid to move it. Increase secretions in the cerebellum is how do I move it? Yeah. And the cerebellum is like, wait, I haven't heard where, what muscle? <laughs> I haven't heard from that muscle in a really long time. The right. cerebellum is how do I, okay, 81 and 84 increase secretions. Yep. So you fix the peripheral problem. You quiet yep. the spinal sensitization. Yeah. You fix it so they're not afraid to move it. Yeah. 40, 89. Yeah. And then increase secretions in the cerebellum so the cerebellum can find it. And then the, the talent that you have in specific among others is tricking them into contracting that muscle. So I get them to contract it and then I'll send them to a physical therapist that can help them strengthen it. And I figure this like, once we get the brain turned correctly, then just doing the dishes or looking at their computer or going for a walk the body will figure out how to strengthen that muscle because, oh, oh, I can move that now. Oh, right. okay. Right. So. And going, going back to what we we're talking about with tone, once you correct it centrally, then you'll be able to, you can't expect a coordinated movement when the cerebellum is just like, we're not sending signals over there. That's going to hurt we're going to rip something. We're going to break something. So no, I'm done. Not going to do it. You know, and the cerebellum does not negotiate. <laughs> no, it's, right? no. And it's, it's a hard it's, no. Yes. Passive aggressive. It's like, yeah, you don't need to know that. I'm not going to tell you. And I ain't going to do it. Totally. So, right. Until we just go, yeah, wait, you get rid of the peripheral thing. But in order to activate the cerebellum, you have to turn off because the thalamus so the signal, that's where the, that's why I spend so much time in the advanced neurology. The signal comes from the motor, sensory and motor cortex. It yep. goes from there through the thalamus. The thalamus decides whether or not it's safe. And then if it's safe, it goes to the cerebellum and goes down the spinal cord. 
So the cerebellum will coordinate the movement only if the thalamus says it's okay. So it, you have to follow the pathway. You do. And yeah. we have the ability to do that. It's so much fun. It is so much fun, but not a one and done. You know, um, I remember getting into it with um, the Honorable Lord John Sharkey a couple years ago when he had brought somebody up and he was talking, he had compressed somebody who had um, a shoulder um, restriction and he was, you know, pushing down on her rib cage and she was able to move her arm up and everyone's like, ooh, ah. And at lunch, he's like, what'd you think about that? I'm like, well, if it doesn't last, it's nothing more than a good party trick. And he was like, what? And everybody at the table was just like, I'm like, no, but that, that's how I treat it in the clinic though. You know, like it's, it's one thing to get somebody to move their shoulder, get them out of pain. That's easy in our world. How do we get it to last? How do we get it to not come back the minute they get into their car? You know, so, and this is where you start to get, um, you start to get picky and you start to get um, kind of a know-it-all because because we can ch- um, because we can change those peripheral things so easily and so quickly and then we can change the nervous system mm-hmm. makes it easy to get into it with people I'm, I'm going to London and John Sharkey is lecturing for 90 minutes at the advance and yeah. then I'm going to Dublin to do a two-day practicum right talk about blowing can you can you just turn your phone on and just put it on speaker and just like put it on the corner just so i can 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 hear it because i love i love john i think he's he's brilliant brilliant yeah um but that's why i love the banter because he he's also open to um other suggestions and other ways of doing things and i think all the the greatest sports medicine doctors and chiropractors and PTs that I've met in professional sports, especially have been the ones that are not know-it-alls. They're really, really great and brilliant in what they do, but they're also really interested in another way of doing something and having another set of ears and eyes, you know, um, on the case. And I think that's what I love about you is you're always open to collaborating and listening. And, um, this is, this is your, this is your world and this is your baby and it's, it's mushroomed across the planet. And there's so many people that are doing really unique things with it. And you're never one to say, no, that's not what you do. You're, you're always like, wait, how'd you do that? What'd you do? (laughs) Tell me again. It's something that you can use to incorporate with our goal is to get patients better. Yeah. My goal is not to sell machines, not my goal is not to prove that FSM is the be all end all and cure all. My goal is to return a patient to wellness to the extent that I can contribute to that, the patient and you and everything you've ever learned form a collaborative, right? So Charles Poliquin knew more about physiology and cytokines. Charles, walked past my display and saw the cytokine data and came to a complete halt. And within 60 minutes, he had invited me to do a seminar for his sports guys around the country. Right. 
getting John Sharkey to recognize that fascia is enervated. He looks at fascia independently because he's a fascia expert. He can't manipulate the nervous system, but he can manipulate the fascia. Right. I can manipulate the fascia. That's like a party trick. But I can manipulate the nervous system. Watch what that does to the fascia. Right. Same thing with Jay Shaw. He's brilliant. And then you show him something new and he's like, what? (laughs) Bill Clearfield is coming. Yes. I have have brain injury patient. I've told you about him. Been treating him for five years. FSM got to a certain point. Prism glasses got to a certain point. Still not functional. In six, eight weeks, doing the supplements and the hormone um, uh, support that Clearfield has done, this kid has his life back. His brain works. So that's the goal. And he couldn't do it with Clearfield alone because FSM has the ability to reduce inflammation in an otherwise inflamed brain and improve function. But you have to put in the prism glasses and you have to put in, that's why this, that's why the advanced seminar keeps getting worse or better. I'm not sure which. (laughs) You're welcome. And I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's, that's the great thing about how you operate is that it's not the one-stop shop. It's not just FSM with no other modalities. It is, a, it's always been, I think, um, delivered as a tool that you will use in your unique tool belt, whatever your profession is. And that's the amazing thing of the advance is when you're in line to get your amazing meal at the end of the day and you're in between pharmacist and a vet and there's a PT and a functional medicine doctor. And you're like, where on earth could I be around? (laughs) Like, so, so many different, you know, professions all using the same modality to create the same miracles. Yeah. It's just, it's, It's just breathtaking to see what it has become. Um, Did I I tell you about that song? No. Okay, so there's there's this concept in the FSM world, right, that, that I lead you guys, right, that you guys are following me. Well, Sandra Osterberg is the the chiropractor that's that's helped that's joined me in the clinic as the other clinician and she said that two or three years ago she's walking on the beach just taking a walk and she said i was thinking fsm needs a training center if i won the lottery i would take that money And I would build a training center for Dr. McMakin to train clinicians. She had the idea before I did. I mean, everybody's known, but there was in my head, there was this, it's not possible thing. Right. Sandra had the idea. She wasn't the only one. Right. Of all of the thousands of practitioners that we have now, a bunch of you had the idea. So there was this, draft in the 
in the universal field of knowledge. And it finally got to me. And I went, oh, I, I'm not traveling now. I could open a clinic. How are you going to do that? How is not my job? You just do the what? So there's a song called You Raise Me Up. Yes. And the version I love the best is by a, a singer named Josh Groban. Yeah. And you you listen to that song and it, I get leaky eyes every time I listen to it because you raise me up so I can walk on stormy seas, so I can climb mountains. How, in what world could a suburban chiropractor from Oregon end up lecturing at NIH and doing what the FSM community has done. So, okay, I give the lectures and I'm the one that shows up on the podium, but the students that get the results that do the work and you and Sandra and Candace, uh, Elliot and all, the other instructors and Dave Burke and Ben Catholi and but there are thousands, hundreds at this point where if I could remember the names, you guys are FSM. That's that's the miracle to me, right? I just... we are, yeah, we're it, it is. It's an amazing community to be a part of. And that's our podcast for today. You know, at some point, if if we didn't have to go fix dinner, this is going to end up being 60, you know, longer. I know. <clears throat> and maybe we'll have to have like a special once in a while where it is longer. Um, we do have a really long question, but Nancy, I'm going to get you if you could, because it's like three paragraphs long. If you could just send that in an email and then we'll be able to condense it and summarize it for text document. Okay, oh, perfect. Yeah, it's oh, a little bit too, yeah, because we can't read that long and uh, talk at the same time. We're not that talented. So if you could send yeah. it to us, then we can summarize it and introduce it for next week because it sounds really interesting and um, I'd love to get to it. Get our hands on it. Yeah. So. Well. As always, it's been a slice. It has. This is fun. I'm glad you like the rules. There's and, there's more rules. There's more rules. Everyone yes. does the best they can at the time with what they have. Yes. And that includes you and yes. me. Yes. So the patients I couldn't help in 1999 that I wish I could find. <clears throat> but you did the, the best, best you could. Yeah. At the time with what I had. That's and right. And this, this is a friend, a colleague of mine said, I am a student of easy. Yes. I'm a student of easy. Now, most of us work hard at working hard. Right. We're working hard. Well, that makes things hard. Yeah. I'm a student, student of easy. I had to learn to make things easy. Right. How did this, how did this clinic and training center appear? I got the idea. I should open a training center. And it was a sunny day. And I climbed in the car and, or the truck, because at that point I bought the truck. And I drive out and it's like, well, it's not going to be in Portland because of the taxes. And it's not going to be in Gresham because Gresham, 
no offense to the people that live in Gresham, but no. <laughs> and then, then the next thing on the freeway was Troutdale. Oh, that's a cute looking town, but it's got all these little shops. I'm not so okay. I'll get off in Troutdale. So the truck found its way to Troutdale. And there on the corner was this big cedar building with for lease signs. And it's like, it, there was no effort. I didn't contact leasing agents. I didn't look all over the city. There's no effort. It was like, oh, well, there's the clinic. And I walked in and it's like, yeah, that, yeah, okay. And then it just, it was, it took, you have to do the steps, but it was easy. Yeah. You just do, there is, what is it Yoda says? There's no try. You just do. You do or do not. There is no try. Yeah. 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 Love and that. What always shows up, but it doesn't always look the way you thought it was going to look. Yes. There you go. I'm going to marinate with those for the week. That'll be my job. I'm going to put these rules up um somewhere let's put them up somewhere on social media make it into a poster do it we're doing posters i just that has to be easy but there we go well i'm i'm talking on because i i don't want to leave but i'll see you next week <laughs> we have to okay all right it was Love uh it. Fun as always. Keep the questions coming. We'll get to that big question um, next week. I'll condense it and summarize it. And so we'll get to it because they're the fun things. And yeah. we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Love ya. Bye. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.